The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. Amen. Amen. Thank you. This is our Camp Nudimic Sunday, and this is our Camp Nudimic worship team. So praise the Lord. We're going to be hearing from them later today in this morning. And uh, we're so grateful that uh, you can be here today. And uh, welcome you uh, this morning, those of you here, those of you online, and especially if you're uh, a newcomer with us, uh, somebody that's newer to our church, a really a special welcome to you. May you sense uh, God's presence with us today, and also may you sense that you have friends here, that you can make friends here, that you can find a place to belong, and uh, a journeying faith here with us. And so... Today, after our church service, we have a newcomer's lunch in the children's ministry area. And if you haven't signed up, there's no more room today. But the good news is on June the 26th, we'll do another one. So phone the church office or let us know somehow. We'd love to have you come to the next uh, newcomer lunch. Give an orientation of what is White Ridge Baptist Church all about and, and how can we maybe journey together with you. Uh, we have a, a position that's been opened for the Director of Administration. We have been looking as a board at the future staffing of our church for two years now, and the Lord has put it on our hearts some time ago that we need to call this position into being. And so we're now, tomorrow, the, the, the timing closes, so if you know someone or you yourself are interested, the job posting is on our website. You can see uh, the job description, and uh, we're just praying. Would you all join us in prayer that God would add to our staff a person that has these administrative abilities that will bring together uh, and form the team that we want as staff? Also, I want to encourage you uh, concerning children's ministry. You know, I have read and I have seen not so much in my own personal experience in the church, but in other areas of society, that volunteerism is down, okay? Uh, we, we've seen statistics about that. And uh, yet, for those of us who love Jesus and who are part of a church fellowship community, I don't know that that should be down because God is still very much alive and God is calling people back into community and in physical ways to meet and fellowship and minister. And we as a staff, um, we don't want to be a bottleneck to ministry, but we can't do a lot if, the team, if there's not a team to put on, on the ice, so to speak. And so when it comes to children's ministry, for example, we have not had nursery up and running yet. And it's because we don't have a team. We need some more volunteers. We need people that will say, I'll take my turn once a month in the church nursery and care for those little ones. And uh, if you would just pray about that, Sheila Taylor would love to talk to you. Uh, sometimes it's a mom or a grandmother, a dad or a granddad. It's a, a friend, an uncle, an aunt, uh, a person that just has the sense that, hey, I want to help the kids' ministry. Would you pray about that? Because we really want to offer that. You saw last week we had six babies dedicated. And um, we just, hey, we want to offer a space and come alongside families and help them do ministry. So please consider that. And uh, Sheila would love to hear from you this week. Call the church office. And uh, Sheila, can you wave back there? Yep, that's Sheila. You know, everybody crowd around her after the service. Amen. All right. Um, I wanted to mention as well today, we are celebrating 
uh, those who have graduated from post-secondary school. And I want to mention four, uh, the four that we heard from anyway. And first of all, we have Stephanie Wiltshire, who graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in Geography, joining the Faculty of Education this fall. Congratulations, Stephanie. I think she's here somewhere. And uh, amen. Then we have also, we have Madeline Brewer, who's graduated with a Bachelor of Business Administration with an emphasis in human resources from Trinity Western. So congratulations, Maddie. Amen. Next, we have Josh, Joshua Clausen, who's over here, and he's graduated with Thrive Discipleship Program out west, and he's joined, joining the Red River Engineering Program this fall. So we're going to have him around again. That's good. Um, and then Ariel Collins, we have uh, back with us. She's graduated from Cape and Ray Harbor Bible Center Discipleship Program out in, in uh, BC, and we're grateful for that too. So congratulations, Ariel. Amen. So uh, would you join me in prayer as we lift up these uh, graduates to the Lord, but also uh, our service and Camp Nudemick and its, uh, its whole ministry. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for uh, all the ways that you call us uh, into fellowship with your son Jesus, first of all, and then into that family of Jesus that you are called Father in. And then, Father, you've called us into relationship with each other as siblings in Christ. And, Father, you've called us into ministry, too. Each of us have some capacity to, to minister because you've gifted each of us for your glory. And so, Father, we want to just acknowledge that today, Lord, that we are a gifted people for the grace of giving. And how we give, how we serve is all up to you. And we want to just follow your plan for our lives. So we want to pray blessing and anointing and favor upon Camp Nudemick as they start a, a, another year of camp ministry. Lord, bless them. And we look forward to hearing from them this morning. Lord, for our children's ministry, we just want to lift it up. We believe that um, society is going to be only as strong as how we see our children and treat our children and, and disciple our children. And so we pray, oh God, help our church to come alongside families and parents and do ministry and, and build up children in Christ. So please help us to see more and more people step forward to help in children's ministry. And Lord, we thank you for these graduates and just... Uh, the four of them that we've mentioned, and there's so many others that are in our lives that maybe not part of this church, but God, we just pray next steps in their lives will reveal your leading and your anointing and your blessing on them wherever they're planted. May they grow and bear fruit for Christ. And so, God, we thank you for them. We commit to you our mourning. May you be worshiped, O Lord Jesus because you're worthy of all worship. And may you bless us as we become more informed on how to pray for the camp ministry this summer. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be having a video right now, and then Nancy's going to come and talk to us about camp.
Good morning. Um, first, before I get started, I'm, I'm Nancy, I'm the program director at Camp Nudimic, but before I start with the camp update, I just need to say that when I see the camp crew up here leading in worship, it just makes me mama proud. Um, I've seen these guys grow up at camp, and it's a different kind of proud maybe that you guys have because you've been seeing them grow up, and I'm hoping that they've been serving in your church the whole time in different capacities, but to see them serving at camp and then actually getting plugged in in their church is just, just makes my heart so happy. I'm the program director at Camp Nudemic, and I want to thank you for inviting me to a, be a part of your service this morning, but also thank you for inviting Camp Nudemic to be a part of what you do at White Ridge Baptist Church. On behalf of the Camp Nudemic board and foundation board and staff, I bring you very warm greetings from camp. Being here this morning feels a little bit like a family reunion, though I don't actually know a lot of you personally. I feel like um, I do kind of know you. A lot of you have been involved in camp over the years. Um, we are very connected. And I, I first want to talk about how we're connected. Every so often I get a question. So how is Camp Nudemic actually connected to the supporting churches? So. Let me give you a little illustration of what this looks like. Our supporting churches are part of a larger association called the Manitoba Baptist Association, also known as the MBA. Um, the MBA is under a larger umbrella of the North American Baptist Conference. I'm sure many of you know this. The MBA churches are called sister churches, and each church is made up of brothers and sisters in faith who are connected to a whole bunch of other brothers and sisters who meet together in different church buildings all across Manitoba. But really, y'all are just a bunch of brothers and sisters in Christ. I hail from the Rowandale clan, so I too am part of these brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, think about your own family and uh, while you may not openly admit it at a family gathering, I'm sure we, most of us, if not all of us, have that one favorite family member. It could be a favorite aunt or a favorite uncle or cousin or even a grandma and grandpa, but we're going to just stick to aunts and uncles and cousins right now. Um, and so you always love going to visit that special relative because they're just the best ever. Well, Camp Nudemic is kind of like that favorite aunt, uncle, cousin, um, which means that I kind of am like that favorite aunt or, or cousin, which is why I don't want to go to the grandma thing. So, joking aside, we as a camp are so thankful for your support and partnership with us. Coming alongside us is so important to us and the ministry that we are able to do through camp, be it financial support, your prayers, um, hands-on work that you do, um, we're a part of on site, your church representation on camp boards, joining us for work days, sending and supporting your young people, um, allowing your pastors to come out as camp speakers, all these different ways that you guys join us in our ministry. Our ties go deep, both historically and practically, and you are so important. And I want you to know that we often find ourselves at a distance but we think of you and we do not take you for granted. Um, since we decided two months ago to go ahead and run overnight camps again this summer, we hit the ground running. It's been a bit of a whirlwind in my corner of the camp. 
Um, as always, we find ourselves faced with some challenges and we just continue to pivot in our work to meet the needs and stay on top of what we need to do. Um, it didn't take me long this season uh, to be reminded that a summer of camp is successful not because of the work I do or the time that I put in, but because God's got it. And this work is his, and he will work things out in his time. And so I am really eager to see how God is going to be providing for us this year. One of our largest needs in this moment, one of the largest gaps to fill, is for staffing. I have about 26 more staff to hire onto our summer team. When you think about camp being only six weeks away, that's a really large number because that's 26 hours of interviews plus all the other stuff. So that's a really big deal right now. That seems really big. Um, what does that look like? That means we're looking for about seven lifeguards, seven female cabin leaders, three male cabin leaders. I need to find health officers for every single week of camp. We need an assistant cook. We need kitchen volunteers and housekeeping and dishes staff. Let me be clear though, we're not just looking for warm bodies. Um, we're looking for people who love God, who are followers of Jesus and have a heart to serve the Lord and be willing to grow and be stretched in their time at camp. I already have about 20 staff that I've hired um, and it has been such a blessing to hear the stories from them during their interviews. Um, at the beginning of each interview, I generally ask the same question. Why did you want to come back to camp again this summer? And these are some of the answers that I've received. The reason I want to serve at Camp Nudimic this summer is because I want to be part of a team that has a common goal, which is serving God and building his kingdom. I want to look back on a summer where I experienced spiritual growth and have my walk strengthened. Another one said, I have worked at Camp Nudimic as a cabin leader in the past and absolutely loved it. The community in ca at camp is incredible and the opportunity to share the gospel with kids who may be unreached is certainly one I don't want to miss. Another one said, I get excited when I think about being part of a team that shows God's love to others in the outdoors and teaches kids who Jesus is and how to have a relationship with him. And yet another one said, I want to serve at camp this summer to show God's love to campers and staff while enjoying God's creation and building meaningful relationships. That's exciting, right? At the end of the conversation, I, um, I give the individual opportunities to ask me questions about the job or, or anything that they need clarification on. And there was one interview this spring um, where the individual looked at me and I, I asked, do you have any questions for me? And the individual looked at me and said, yes, what keeps you coming back to camp? And I tell you, I did not even think before I spoke. My answer was, you and all the rest of the staff and campers. Camp is for the campers as much as it is for the staff. It is a place where they get to experience Christ-centered, biblically-rooted community. They learn about God's, about, uh, they learn about and experience God's love, have incredible opportunities to grow in their faith, in their character, and in their ability and lives are changed by God's grace. And for some reason, God is giving me the opportunity to be part of it again. I can tell you from personal experience that most of the time, without even realizing he's doing it, God will change you during your time at camp. 
There is one thing I know going into this summer that lies ahead. It's gonna be life-changing for a whole lot of people. I always choose our summer themes a year in advance, so a year ago in May, I decided in, on All In for this summer. How appropriate for this summer when we finally get to get back into camp work that we have just been aching to do. The last time we ran overnight camps was three years ago. So that means our junior campers from three years ago are now our teen, cam teen campers. How crazy is that? We have a blast with our campers when they come out. We play games, we have great adventures. You guys saw the slides. We play on the beach, we launch kids off the blob, we teach them how to shoot a bow, we water ski, we walk on kayaks, because that's fun. We have a blast in the chapel, we're at campfire in the evenings, but the camp goes so much deeper than the fun. There are three things we strive to be known for at Camp Nudimic, and I really hope that these three things are things that you can remember about us and pray for us about. The first one is to reach kids. Our purpose is to share the best news in the whole world with them and help campers get to know our awesome God and what Jesus did for us. Second, grow disciples. We are intentional in mentoring and walking beside the staff and campers, meeting them where they are at, helping them dig into God's word, and challenging them to grow. Unfortunately, our time with them is so short, and this is where you guys come in. Our partnership with our supporting churches is incredibly important. We can't do this ministry without you. We send our campers back to their churches, and those that aren't connected with churches, we get them connected to churches as much as possible, and we leave them in your care. And we trust you to disciple them and walk alongside them for the whole year, and then hopefully we get them back the next year. We stay in touch with campers and staff as much as possible, but we rely on you, our church families, to be their family and support system. Third, we develop leaders. We are super intentional throughout our programs and training to build campers and staff and equip them to help them grow and become strong leaders with a strong, biblically rooted faith in Jesus. That is so important. The Bible is central to what we do there. In Matthew 16, verse 24 to 25, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. This is our jumping off point for this summer, and we are choosing to go all in at Camp Nudimic. We are fully committed to the Lord and his work, and we are ready to give all, and we've got to go hard. God sent Jesus, his only son, to go all in on our behalf. He died on the cross rose from the grave for us, and this gift cannot be earned or bought. It can only be received through faith in Jesus, surrender, repentance of ourselves and our sins, and forgiveness by God's grace. But this gift of Jesus isn't so that he can take along with us. It's so that we can be made new through him and experience all that God has for us. So why do we do what we do at Camp Nudimic? We do what we do for God's glory, and because of him, lives are changed. As our supporting church, part of our extended family, can I make a couple of requests of you on behalf of camp?
First, would you pray for us? It's interesting to see the response in people when I ask them to pray. To some, it doesn't seem practical or valuable, um, but let me tell you, we at Camp Nudimic couldn't, surprise, couldn't survive this ministry without prayer. Never, ever underestimate the power of prayer. That you would go before our Lord, our Creator, Savior, and King on our behalf. God hears your prayers, and he answers them. So please keep us in mind and pray specifically for the needs that present themselves, like finances, safety, wisdom, specifically, sorry, discernment, and that we remain rooted in scripture. The list goes on. Besides the need for staff and volunteers, we've been throwing a few curveballs this spring. We just experienced some major damage at the waterfront um, due to the high water levels. There's been some pretty major water damage in the basement of the home that I live on on property. Um, we're struggling to finish some major renovations and upgrades, um, and our first rental groups arrive next week. We have summer washrooms in, in the progress, House on the Rock in progress, updates in the chapel in progress. Um, our first team of seasonal staff, many of which are here today, will arrive at camp tonight or early tomorrow morning. Um, pray for us as we grow as a team, that we would be united in Christ and faithful to what God is calling us to do. Would you also please continue to partner with us in practical and tangible ways? And that doesn't always mean finances, though we won't turn that down. Um, but there are really practical ways that you can join us in our ministry. Um, you can join our staff or volunteer teams. I'll be in the foyer after the service. If you feel God nudging you to get involved in camp, come talk to me, and we can see what that looks like for you. I know that you at White Ridge have had work days in the past and you set those up with us. We encourage you to start those up again. I have some very fond memories of the men's group coming out for work days and working hard and just enjoying their time at camp at the same time. Spring and fall are some of our busiest times for property and facility work that has to be done and we are grateful for help when it's offered. Lastly, I ask this of you. Keep doing what you're doing here in your church. Be diligent to build each other up. Live peacefully with one another. Encourage one another and hold your brothers and sisters accountable according to God's word. Dig deep into God's word and teach with discernment. Humble yourselves before God and seek him in all you do. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So on behalf of Camp Nudimic, blessings on you, White Ridge family. I'm excited to be on this journey with you, all for God's glory. Therefore, let us not pass judgments on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as, as good be spoken as evil. 
For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is not good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Romans chapter 14 to 13 to 23. Do, not, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Philippians 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 3 to 4. Please be seated. Thank you, Jackson. I had the uh, privilege last night of going to the Camp Newtomick fundraiser. It was a really wonderful evening. And uh, I woke up this morning with the uh, memories of camp when I was a kid. And I have one friend that I've known since birth. His mom and my mom were best friends when they were in Bible school. And uh, I remember most of my vivid memories of him as a child were at camp. And how essential that environment and that week was to grow our friendship in Christ and to help me develop an awe of God, especially through creation, but also the people that just invested in me and loved me. And so we're so thankful for Camp Newtomick and the blessing we have of not just that environment as far as the geographical space, but the relationships that take place there. And especially our young people who serve there over the summer, let's be praying for them for their own spiritual well-being and from the love they receive from God that they can pour that out to each and every camper. About three weeks ago, I had the privilege of going out for breakfast with a few friends, Richard Salas, um, Ruby Wilson, and Brenda Noble. Brenda wanted to introduce us to a friend of hers, C.Y. Yan, and uh, he wanted to introduce us to a ministry opportunity called Welcome Church, uh, and we're going to be learning from them about ways that we can be more equipped to welcome new Canadians and refugees into our country, that we do a really good job of, of just loving people as they come in from hard circumstances and just make a home for them. Uh, and part of our conversation, he, he started off by just saying, uh, do you know the Chinese character for discipleship or for being a disciple? And of course, no, don't know that. <laughs> he goes, well, it's a symbol. And this symbol has two different characters. And the one character means two people, and the next character means walking. The picture is being a disciple is holding hands with someone else and walking together towards Christ. And when he said that, I smiled because the symbol that we've been using in our church for discipleship is two people holding hands, walking on a street that looks like a cross. And the name of the ministries that we've been calling Life Path is Discipleship in the Church. And it's based on a verse from Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life in your presence as fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. It's a beautiful picture of what life in Christ together is meant to be. 
Remember that we're on a road, we're on a journey together. We're meant to be walking hand in hand with Christ as our goal. Uh, about a week or two ago, our staff and our board met and we asked, what does life path mean? And we, we realized, well, it's not very clear in the church yet what that means. So we need to have a discussion about is that a good term or not for discipleship in the church. But the point is the conversation's happening. And the point is that we are resolved as church leadership to help us be equipped to walk towards Christ together in love and to be also thinking about how are you gonna invite other people on that journey with us? That's what evangelism is, saying this is on the journey I'm on with Christ, would you like to come with me? Can I tell you what I know about him? You don't need to know everything, but you need to know enough that you said I've committed my life to Christ and I'm going to follow him, would you like to come with me? And then how can we help each other in that journey? Today, the passage that we're looking at is uh, Romans 14, 13 to 23. It very much ties in with what Pastor Terry talked about last week. And I just wanna, when I looked at this passage, the phrase that really hit me was uh, walking together in love, walking in love. So that's the lens that I'm looking at this passage with this Sunday. And so what are some of the things from these verses that we can learn about walking together in love towards Christ? And the first one is, is that we need to have a supportive love of one another. Verse 13 says, therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. Of course, you know this normal tool in studying the Bible, if you see therefore, you say, why is it there? What's it there for? Beginning of this chapter, it starts off by talking about, please don't get into arguments about disputable matters, things that are kind of morally neutral. Don't argue about those things. Don't pass judgment on your brothers and sisters because of those things. Remember, God is the judge. Each one of us will give an account for the choices we made. This isn't about salvation. This is about how we've lived our life in Christ. Each of us will be responsible to give account to our life to say, Lord, I was living in faith for you in this way, or I wasn't. So don't worry about your brother because they're accountable to God. Worry about your own life. So don't be a stumbling block to people. When there's something that's disputable, which means it's morally neutral, and you get into an argument, it's not worth it. Just don't put a stumbling block in their path. So the question is, and, well, how can I be supportive if someone's point of view limits the liberty that I feel I have in Christ? That's what the whole issue was before about eating meat offered to idols, is that bad? Someone says, no, it doesn't mean anything. Idols are nothing, I can eat a piece of meat. The other person says, well, no, it was offered to an idol. You can't do that. So one person has the Christian liberty of understanding, yeah, this is fine, but someone else isn't there yet in their walk with Christ. That's the, when we're using the term stronger and weaker brother, it really has to do with how long someone's been walking with Christ so that their mind is being shaped to think the way Christ thinks, the way Christ lives. And so what can I do when my point of view differs from someone else? So again, I'm looking at this passage with the lens of this, how do I walk in love? So, Looking at this more devotionally, I, I see the word any longer. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. The first thing for me what that means is I've probably in the past been judging people. <laughs> I've probably made a habit of this in some way or form. It's probably impacted some relationships because I've made a judgment. One of the first things I need to do is decide I don't wanna live that way any longer, but I also might need to go back and ask forgiveness of someone 
because I may have put a stumbling block in their path. I might have tried to argue something when I shouldn't have because it was actually hard against their conscience. So I, shouldn't, I might have to go back and ask forgiveness. The other thing is that it's in the way of a brother. Don't put a stumbling block in the way of a brother. I need to remember that when I'm talking with someone who's a Christian, that they are my brother, they are not a bother. They're not getting in my way of what I need to do. They're my brother. We're family. So how can I be supportive? Remember the relationship that we have with, I have with them in Christ. We go on to verse 20 that's tied into this being a supportive love. Do not for the sake of food, for example, movies, educational preferences, or other non-eternal issues, destroy the work of God. Okay, again, so these are for disputable matters. These are things that are morally neutral. Uh, Don't destroy it. Don't get in an argument. But remember this, that the person you're talking with, that right now you're in the middle of a, a conflict, a dispute, remember that they are the work of God. Remember that they are made in his image. Remember that they are on a similar journey as you to be made in the likeness of Christ. And it's a beautiful thing. They are a work of God. For me, those are three things that are very helpful to think about. How can I be supportive of someone when we don't see eye to eye on an issue? Always remember that love triumphs over liberty. So you might, as a Christian, say, I have every ability to do this with a clean conscience. But if my doing that causes someone else to stumble, Christ would say, love is more important than your liberty. Very key if you want to think about supporting relationships. Let's move on to another point, walking in confident love. Paul says, I know and I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. That's a pretty big statement. I am persuaded. It's the same word. I am confident. It's not because I read the news or I read a different article or I had a conversation or I listened to a good message. I am confident in what? I am confident in the Lord Jesus. My time with God has made me realize that this in itself is not unclean any longer. How much time do each of us spend with Christ so that he can be shaping our thought life so we can say with confidence, I believe this is the way Christ thinks about this matter. Not just about how I think about it. I believe Christ thinks this way about that matter. And I say that humbly. But to the best of my ability, that's why I'm doing this. Because I believe it honors God. Uh, Romans 14, verse 15, Pastor Terry talked about this last week. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. You can have differences of opinions on, one, on things like that. So for example, for me, I'm kind of of that mind that every day is very much alike. In that statement, I still think there's an important rhythm of having a Sabbath rest. So for me, Fridays is an important day for me to say, God, you are God, I am not. Everything that I feel pressured on, I'm putting aside. I'll do anything else that brings joy, helps relationships, but if I feel pressure about something, I'm not going to look at it on Friday. Now, I'm not legalistic about it. If something needs to change, it will change. But that's how I feel. And so for me and my walk with God, on Friday at that time, I have to be very mindful that, yeah, Lord, I want to honor you by putting this, side of time, this day aside and to remember you're God and I am not. That doesn't need to apply for everybody. 
We can disagree about different things like that or have different points of view. But what we need to remember is that everything is about for the kingdom of God. It's not about eating or drinking. So again, in this passage, it's not about non-essentials. It's not about external performances. It's about the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is about righteousness, it's about peace, and it's about joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, right living among people. Peace, well-being in all my relationships. Joy is closely tied to having life in Christ and remembering that what he's done makes everything in our present has to be thought about what he's promised us for the future. That I live with hope and joy that what he's promised me, I might not experience that all today because some of it is going to be fulfilled down the road, but I can put my money in the bank that what God says is going to happen. So remember those things, and remember it's about in the Holy Spirit. As Christians, please don't get caught up in thinking that it's in your own strength. What, read the Bible, what does the Bible say? I should do this, I should do this, I should do this. That's what a good Christian does. You know what a good Christian does? A good Christian quiets their heart before their father and accepts his love, receives his love, responds to his love, and when you do that, you know what happens? Your life starts living the way Christ is. And all those things start falling into place because you receive from your Father everything He is and you start becoming like Him because you spend time with Him. And part of that time with Him is time with each other. God has called us to be a family. I need you to reflect Christ to me the way that He specifically made you. You don't need to be anybody else. You need to be who Christ has made you. And you only know who you are in Christ when you spend time with him and he speaks to you and you hear him say, you are my son, you are my daughter, in you I am well pleased. I've given you this gift, go use it. Have fun with it. See that person over there? I love them, go love them. We need each other in our walk with God. We need life in the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to matters of liberty, the Bible says here, so whatever you believe about these things, these issues about liberty, keep them between yourself and God. In this context, meaning if it's starting to cause tension between you and someone else, hold back. Don't let it become that. Remember, love is more important than liberty. Christian liberty will get a bad name if love does not govern it. So if you say, this is my right, God says I can do this, no one's gonna stop me from doing this. I don't care if your answer is morally right, as far, it's the love that matters. Love triumphs over liberty. Walking a faith-filled love, another way that we need to journey together. So this whole passage is dealing about things that are clean and unclean. What we need to remember is that throughout the history of the church, this was a real issue because the Bible, Christ, God said in the Old Testament, here's animals that are unclean, here's animals that are clean. You need to know that, you need to obey that. With Christ, a lot of these ceremonial laws became kind of void, they've been fulfilled, they're not needed anymore. So it wasn't that this was something that was a superficial thing. This was a huge area of understanding that there's clean and unclean things. So when Paul says, I know and I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, 
That is an amazing statement. His whole life he's been taught there are unclean animals, there are clean animals. For him to say this, it's amazing. It's like Peter being able to say that. Remember, Peter had a hard time, but there's a vision about the animals coming down from heaven and, and go ahead and eat. Oh, Lord, I won't eat those. They're unclean. Don't say they're unclean if I've said they're clean. And all that stuff about the animals was just a little bit of a foreshadowing to say, there's the Jewish people that are the chosen people of God, and now the Gentiles. I want you to know that Gentiles aren't dirty people. I've come to die for Gentiles. I've come to give life to Gentiles. The message is for the Gentiles. So it's hugely important. So then he says, but it's unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. So we're not talking about situational ethics here, about is something right sometimes and wrong another time in and of itself? No, if something's wrong, it's always wrong. If it's right, no, that's, it's right. But how we approach something makes a difference. And I need to be able to obey my conscience in matters of liberty. That means of matters that are morally neutral. So for example, something like TV. A TV in itself is morally neutral. But the shows that are on the TV are not morally neutral. <laughs> so I need to know the difference between that. So if someone says, is TV wrong? Well, you can say, no, it's neutral. And someone says, no, TV is really wrong. It just leads you everywhere. But it's really about the shows. Right? Like that, that's what your conscience should be bothering you about if you're having, what are you watching, what are you putting into your mind? So the Bible says that even if something like eating meat is morally neutral, if in your mind you think it's sinful, but you hear someone else say, no, it's okay, do it, and you go ahead and do it, it doesn't matter what the meat is or isn't, what matters is your heart. And you're saying, I'm kind of doubting that this honors God, but I'm still going to go do it. What we do has to be in faith that it's honoring to God. Romans 14, 23, whatever is not from faith is sin. I talked to someone the other day, he goes, That's, like, that means like, pretty much everything I do is kind of sinful. I don't think about Christ. That's right. You're right. We sin so much more than we realize. And that should make us appreciate God's grace all the more. God, you're so gracious to me. I don't even half understand how much grace you show to me. But as we're living life, if we have any questions about what we're doing next, it's not even about so much, it, I believe the Holy Spirit will make you aware if this is morally wrong. That's something I, I think as we're maturing, that's one of the first things we start distinguishing between right and wrong. But in these morally neutral areas, it's not even the answer to that question so much as what's my heart telling me as far as am I doing this because I wanna honor God or is this just about what I want? So for me, a good question to have in mind when I'm not certain about something, is my conscience being guided by God in this matter? Am I actually going to him and asking, Lord, what do you want me to do in this matter? And if not, then I have to maybe slow down and say, well, then I shouldn't move forward. Even if it's right or wrong, I just shouldn't move forward until I've sought God's opinion or that I know in my heart that I can say, I'm doing this for the sake of Christ. If you can go on that and say, I'm doing this for the sake of Christ, God will be guiding you one way or the other. But I think that's the kind of mindset we need to have. And the other question is, will this decision help me walk in love with my neighbor? At this time, at this moment, will this be good for me in this relationship? So again, your answer might be different depending on who you're with at the time, if that makes sense. So for example, a view of alcohol. 
Some people have grown up very strongly that alcohol is evil, it's wrong and there's just this visceral thing and other people say, no, it's fine. People in, in the Bible, they drank alcohol and so this is one of those things where people might have difference of opinions. And so in one situation, you might say, well, I have liberty in drinking alcohol in the moderation that the Bible talks about. You might, with integrity, have a glass of wine with someone at their house. Meanwhile, you go out for dinner with someone else and you know that you're, the friend you're with doesn't feel the same way. And you're like, well, I'm not going to let their liberty get in my way. I want a glass of wine. <laughs> you know, I'll teach them. About <laughs> Don't do that. That's not loving. Restrain yourself. Don't let that become a, a, a point of tension between you. And this is the next point going into, well, then how do we edify each other? How do we encourage each other in our walk with God? For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. I'm at dinner. My friend thinks alcohol is a sin. I'm not of the same mindset. I still decide, well, I'm going to get a glass of wine anyway. I'm not walking in love in that moment. I'm doing something that causes my brother and my sister to stumble. By what you eat, do not destroy the one whom Christ died for. Some commentaries will say this word destroy throughout the New Testament is used often for people's uh, kind of eternal well-being that they're actually ripped apart from God. So you could actually destroy their salvation. I don't think that's what this verse is saying. I think in this context what it's saying is you could really devastate someone's spiritual growth. Or you might cause them to want to distance away from Christian community because it's caused such a tension. You, you kind of pull away from each other. Don't let that happen. Don't, don't destroy someone for whom Christ has died. Why do we struggle to walk in love? I think sometimes it's because we do put too much emphasis on our liberties. And we're not thinking enough about the people around us and how it impacts them. We're not thinking about edifying my brother and sister in Christ, encouraging them in their walk with God. We're thinking more about ourselves and what we want to enjoy. And, you know, so that's part of it. Romans 14 verse 16 says, therefore do not let what you know is good to be spoken of as evil. So again in this context about the meat, some people said it's fine to eat, others no. Okay, Paul's saying it's okay to eat meat as far as in and of itself. It's not okay to eat it if you cause someone to stumble. So what does it mean here Then it says, therefore do not let what you know to be good be spoken of as evil. I think the first context is we need to remember that there's a world watching the way that we interact with each other. And when you live in such a way that your liberty comes across as unloving to someone else, especially when it's another brother or sister in Christ, the world notices that. And all of a sudden they talk about that liberty, that thing you're doing, as that's an evil thing, that's a selfish thing that you're doing. I also think it can mean that when you and I are in a conversation and we differ in opinion, we should be able then to sit down and say, let's not argue about this, but can we discuss this? Can we discuss why we believe what we believe based on scripture? And understand that my history impacts how I think, my friends impact how I think, but can we just have a conversation about what this means? This is why I don't think meat offered to idols is an issue and then go to the Bible and talk about it, and then let someone else explain their point of view, but don't let what you think is good be spoke of as evil. Let that be that iron sharpens iron. I don't think that's the primary thing that's being said here, but that's one of the things I've taken away in my life in relationships, is that if I withhold from a liberty because I know it will offend someone, I don't still let them talk about that thing as though it was evil. 
I don't think that's helpful. It depends the context you're in as well. Uh, Romans 14 verse 19 says, so then let's follow um, after things which make for peace, things which may build one another up. That's what we should do. So let's follow after, let's pursue. It's not enough in our journey of walking with the Lord to not do things. God says, pursue whatever is noble, whatever is honorable, whatever is pure. Here it says, whatever helps build up peace. Whatever will help make a better relationship with someone, pursue that. Focus on that. And also, do this in a way that's mutually beneficial. Mutually, like when you're in a relationship with a brother and sister in Christ, our default should be, I want to bless you. I believe you want to bless me. That's often not the way in reality things seem to work, but I would sure pray that as a church, as we learn to spend and we make more and more time with each other, that you could come to church and say, you know what, I don't know that person very well yet, but I know just by their being here that they love God, they know God loves them. I know that they want to help me know Christ. I hope they know that I want them to know Christ. Could that be the default understanding in every relationship in church? is that if only we had more time with each other, we know that we'd become good friends. Even if we have lots of different things that we don't have in common, we have Christ in common, we're brothers and sisters, we're family. Wouldn't that be a nice default that when you come here, you could see anyone and say, I think I wanna go talk with you. We could be good friends. I want to be a friend to you. That's hugely important as walking in love. That's what edifying is. Peace and mutual upbuilding are important aspects of discerning how to walk in love together. So if my actions are helping to instill peace, helping to encourage someone, I can have pretty good confidence I'm walking together in love. You know, over COVID, our board and staff, we've had a lot of privilege to spend more time together than I can ever remember in the past talking about the importance of discipleship and walking together in love. And we're on a journey and I'm so glad for that. And to say we're on a journey, I think we're at the start of a journey that's gonna be so beautiful. And we need our church praying about how are we gonna honor God by following him together? How are we gonna do that more and more? One of the terms that we've started to use now is just rhythms of discipleship. Could we as a church become a place where we know that throughout the year there's gonna be different rhythms of discipleship where you can expect something's gonna happen during this season that will help us walk with God together? One of the things we said is, well, it would be good if we could just say, yeah, two, three times a year, we're gonna have that intentional focus. That's our hope all the time, okay? It's all the time. But two, three times a year, that's gonna be our special focus, and those journeys will really usually be maybe eight to 12 weeks long. And why don't we tie them with our sermons? Why don't we tie those times with a thing that we're already spending time in the word of God. Why don't we just get deeper in this together during the week? We are so blessed as a church family to have a lead pastor who faithfully week after week comes up here and shares the word of God with us. And also who I know desires to have a growing walk in love with others. That's a blessing we have as a church. So let's not just listen to what he says. Let's also spend time in the word that's being preached Let's study it, let's talk about it together, let's learn from God ourselves so that I have something to share. And then I'm also ready to receive. So in the fall, we're gonna be going into the book of Matthew and the focus for the fall, we're gonna figure out a name for what this season looks like. 
but it's gonna be focused on Sermon of the Mount. We've bought 125 of these journals. This is the Gospel of Matthew. If you open it up, it's called an illuminated study Bible. You open it up, one side is the Bible, the other side is just a blank page. You can use that blank page to take notes, you can draw pictures, you can doodle, do whatever you need to to say, what I receive from God, I'm gonna put on that page. And then when I get together with people, I can remind myself, oh, this is what God's been teaching me. I have this to share with you. So we wanna encourage you to, to buy one of these when they become available, probably towards the end of August. On our app, you can take notes on the sermon. Take notes again so that when you get together with friends, you can look back and refresh your memory about what God has taught you. It's a very valuable thing to do. And with every message we have that has scripture as the primary focus, most of the time, there are scripture study notes. There's notes from three study Bibles, a short commentary, there's questions. You don't need to use all of those things, but they're available to help you dig deeper into the word of God, first and foremost, so that you can learn to hear the voice of God and with confidence say, this week, this is what God has put on my heart. What have you learned about walking in love from God's word? This week, that's what I'd ask you to think about, and that would be something that you could share with someone else. If this was part of this journey right now, I'd say, you know what, if you're at a place where you primarily think I need to spend this time alone with God, I just really need to deepen that, fine. If you're saying I need to do this with my, with my spouse, fine. What we'd be encouraging you though is inviting people into your life that you can say, I wanna share these truths with someone else. I want one other close friend to walk with, one other couple to walk with. We say that because that's what a journey with Christ is about, it's about relationships. And one of the things that we've decided to, to, to try is that during this time, those time frames, we want discipleship groups to form. And we wanna see these groups to be kind of three to six people, of, groups of people that say, yeah, we're friends. We wanna deepen our friendship by intentionally spending this time to focus on the word of God and to encourage one another in the sharing. And you can, if, what I'd hope is that during the week, if you say, hey, a Tuesday's best, a Friday's best, if you have two or three friends and you say, let's get together, you might also talk about, is there space in this friendship to allow some other people to join us? And if you guys say yes, well, we'll let people know by having sign-up sheets the two or three weeks before this journey starts so that they can sign up and just join you and you can make some new friends. That would be our hope for you, for us. The point of getting together though isn't so much about someone teaching a lesson as all of us coming to share what Christ has uh, taught us and say this is what I've been receiving fresh from God. This is what I have to give to you. That should be our posture when we get together. This is what I have to give to you. And then also this, I, I'm ready to receive from you as well. I just wanna highlight something. You know, we've been in this building for three years now. And when we moved here, it was sort of like, well, why, why would God have us go on this journey? And I think a big part of it for me was, well, somehow being in this building has to help us love one another better. Somehow moving to this property, having this space has to help us love one another better. So the question I'd be asking you to think about as we're on this journey of learning to walk in love, I'd ask you to really start thinking about how can we use our property to help us walk together in love.
Pray about that. Talk about that with your friends. Bring it to the leadership. Let us engage with you and then see what can happen. Last week, there was a games night here. 30-some people who didn't know each other met, played games. They, they got to know each other. They enjoyed that. We have walking paths. Bring, this summer, bring some yard games, whatever. Play outside. Uh, pickleball takes place here all the time. There's different ways that we can help create spaces where the idea is let's allow you to connect and now the conversations are important up to you to direct them towards Christ. One of the things, and we're gonna talk more about this later on in June, is, that, is the meals that we used to have here called Come to the Table. For those of you who haven't been here before for one of those, half of this, that space on the back side, is all tables where people can have come for a meal. And on Wednesdays from 5.30 to 6.30, the food is served and it's open till about seven. And this side is just area to, for the kids to play in and the adults to play in. It's a family gathering, sort of what Nancy was saying. It's a place where we hope aunts and uncles and grandparents can, can meet. <laughs> and you can get to know people at that level where you really start loving people because you interact with them. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the weeks ahead and about staffing for that. We already have four captains. So that means if we do eight meals, each team would only have to serve twice. Three years ago when we started this, we had close to 100 people making this work because if you serve once a month and you can enjoy the rest, that would be our goal. And so we'll talk more about that later, but the connection to the discipleship groups is this. Wouldn't it be nice? How often do you have a family gathering in a year? Maybe once or twice. Well, maybe you look at our family gathering and say, I can't come eight times. <laughs> That's too many. I can come once, I can come twice. Well, know that you're always welcome and you're not expected. And when you come, people are going to be happy to see you. Hopefully, you're happy to see them. And after the meal, during that time frame, what about if afterwards we said, hey, we're going to clean out the tables and any of you who want to stay behind, we're going to have discipleship groups meeting here. And anybody you see in this room you know has the same heart. We want to get to know God better by getting to know each other better and by talking about the word of God together better. And our hope is around those tables, there might be cores of three to six people already, but the, the tables fit eight. Wherever you see an open spot, just sit down. And however often you can come, we celebrate that you're here. And we want to help you develop friendships that are Christ-centered very early on. So this is the ending here. What opportunities will we create to help grow and help our church family grow in our ability to walk together in love? Your board, your staff, your leaders are thinking about these things. We want you thinking and praying about them too and then speak with us, share with us so that we can come up with the best thing possible in the years ahead. We are going to make mistakes, we are going to stumble, but our eyes are fixed on Christ and he will lead us into victory with him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray and I'll ask the worship team to come forward. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. And we thank you that in your goodness, you promise to complete your good work in each and every one of us to make us like Christ in a way that is so unique, in a way that you say the world needs to see Christ in you. They need to see that. They need to experience that relationship. They need to see us walking together in love. Lord, as a church, could we learn to walk together in love towards you in such a way that other people would want to join us and that we would have the mindset that our walking is enhanced when we invite people in. Lord, we want your family to be enlarged because we know that is what your will is. May your kingdom come. So Father, we humbly submit ourselves to you. 
We will follow you as best as you enable us to. Forgive us for the times we take our eyes off of you and we think more about our liberties than about love. Use us, Father, to love each other so deeply towards you that the world will say, that's what I need. Father, we have neighbors, we have family who don't know you. Their life is impoverished without you. Lord, use us to love them towards you. Help us to gain the assurance of our salvation because we actually experience love among us. Lord, we're so young in this journey. We thank you that we're in your hands and we are resolved to obediently follow you together. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, thank you so much for your, your incredible, never-ending love. God, thank you for the example that you have set for us in the way that we treat one another. God, this week, would you teach us to quiet our hearts and just to learn how to sit in your presence and listen for your voice. God, teach us how to love one another well. Lord, bring this church family together. God, would we honor you in our actions and in, in all of our interactions this week. Um, God, would we just set our hearts on you and would this church family be centered around you, Lord, serving you and glorifying you, God. Thank you, God, for all this. In your name, amen. Have a great week.